Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your premier North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. And welcome back, rugby fans, here again with the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, episode 142. My name is Ty, the Saffer Braga. Joining me as per usual by my side is Rob, the Hammer Hammerschmidt. And in the absence of Scott Ferrara, the big guy, we brought an even bigger guy in rugby. <laughs> <laughs> that, of course, is Ryan Ginty from Next Level Rugby. Ginty, welcome back, my friend. Hey, uh, excited to be here. Uh, episode two. On the Rugby Rant, my favorite yeah, podcast out there right now. You just 140 of them. That's okay. <laughs> I, yeah, 140 of them, it's all right. But, I mean, I've listened to all 140 of them. Don't you Don't you worry. Sometimes twice, back to back. There's a lot of time between SeatGeek Stadium on my way home yeah, right. from work back home. So, uh, so yeah. yeah. So we appreciate you lying straight to our faces. You know, <laughs> I, I really I'm, do appreciate Count on one hand all the subscribers that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I can subscribe to this? <laughs> I just look it up. Yeah, yeah, I'm not good at that. So, uh, Ginty, as per usual, a pleasure to be able to have you here with us. And for those folks tuning in, a quick reminder, of course, we're going to be taking some time to talk about the news from across the rugby realms in particular here on U.S. soils. We dive into that for a moment. But finally, we're going to have the opportunity to talk about the MLR Championship, which took place this past week. We have some really great insights to talk about covering the rugby product on the field, off the field, and everything in between. And of course, the viewing experience for you at home as a fan of the MLR Experience 2023. We crowned a new champion, of course, the Free Jacks. So stick around to be able to learn about this and much more as we dive into it shortly. When we pick up the ball, we also pick up a legacy. A legacy that stretches beyond your current team. A legacy built on the backs of those who came before you with hard work. And for those who will come after you, we promise it won't be easy. But we'll be there, supporting you on and off the field. Right, rugby fans, you know how it goes around the pitch. We're going to hand it across the table one by one in a quick fire round. The news you should know as a fan, starting with you, Rob. Thanks, Ty. And again, welcome, Ryan. It was uh, awesome working with both of you guys this weekend. Had a ton of fun. Just a great weekend overall. But I want to dive into one of those pieces right now. And I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about this. Kind of my baby, if you will. Nola Gold have a new CEO. This is they're they're not much for making announcements in regards to the same thing happened with Chase Langdon, who uh, parted ways with the gold. I don't know the details and I and I don't know that it matters. I think what's important to take away is Van Gullinghouse is in. And the reason this is important, you know, from my perspective, is he comes from a marketing background. He is a director of event sales the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation. He was responsible for bringing the NCAA basketball tournament uh, to New Orleans. He was responsible for bringing Super Bowls to New Orleans. So the guy really knows how to bring a party to New Orleans. Not that you need a bigger party in New Orleans to begin with. Um, Rand Gollinghouse uh, Marketing, VP of Marketing for uh, Manufacturing uh, Water Purification. 
So the guy has a strong business background. Um, and the important part of this is he's charged with engaging world rugby. Because I do believe that the city of New Orleans and the NOLA Gold want to host some Rugby World Cup games in 2031, 2033. The other thing he's playing in, uh, a significant part of is engaging with uh, the state of Louisiana because they're the owners of the gold mine. And uh, that facility is going to be changing to be a much more uh, multi-purpose sports complex. They'll still be the primary tenant. Uh, but they want to have a significant say in what that place looks like and how it's organized. So he's going to be charged with really engaging the state of Louisiana to make that happen. Yeah, it's fantastic to be able to have somebody that, um, you know, what rugby needs is really good business people in addition to great rugby people, right? It's been kind of the downfall in the past is that when you just pick rugby people and you keep it inside the same circles, you don't get new ideas, you don't get new leads and new contacts. So it's great to be able to stretch um but still staying very close to home. Uh, so wonderful addition and uh, exciting news and exciting ambitions for NOLA and the city itself. Uh, I'm going to take the, the conversation to USA Rugby here. As uh, on the horizon, not that far away, this coming August 12th and 13th, we have the USA Club Sevens Championships, this time taking place out in Wisconsin, Madison to be precise. And uh, this has been a phenomenal venue uh, for a couple of different reasons. And uh, as a result, it's going to be a great place for the host. And for those of you who don't know, the Club Sevens is actually made up of four different regions brought from all four corners of the, uh, the U.S. Uh, continental uh, areas, as you can imagine. I want to run through a brief uh, list of that. So we've got in the West, we got uh, Southern California, Northern California, including the Pacific Northwest and frontier regions. So uh, you got the Northeast and Mid Atlantic region. Central is covered by Red River and Midwest unions. Uh, South is the Carolinas, Florida, Georgia, and True South. So you really are drawing from almost every part of the U S and uh, on that note, Ryan, you're going to be there on the ground, so to speak, right? You and Next Level Rugby, right? Yeah, no, super excited about that. I got my uh, Madison, uh, Wisconsin Rugby Sports Complex hat right <laughs> yeah, here. Quick wardrobe change, yeah. you know. <laughs> Almost fell over right here trying to get to it a little bit jammed up. But anyways, yeah, no, I'm super excited about that. It's uh, going to be a second year we're covering it. Last year, we basically got a call, you know, two weeks before the event. We're like, hey, we want, we need, we have no coverage. We're playing at a field in the middle of nowhere. And, and mm -hmm. actually, it wasn't the middle of nowhere. It was in the middle of St. Louis, a beautiful forest park, but no internet, no power, no infrastructure, no elevation, no nothing. All right. You got uh, two weeks to figure it out. <laughs> two weeks to figure it out, right? Like, and I mean, instantly made some phone calls, have some friends that are like, you know, passionate about the game, got together, figured it out, put on a show, um, mm -hmm. you know, worked with Philip Coopins, who it was dropping his lap like last minute as well, too. Um, anybody's lap that uh, gets dropped into, it's good that it's dropped into his lap because Philip is awesome. He's transparent. He'll communicate mm -hmm. with you. He'll tell you exactly where he's coming from. Um, he's uh, an army officer. Won't hold that against him. Um, but like, <laughs> he definitely shows up in his, uh, you know, accountability and, and his ability to just engage. So it's awesome. Last year, you know, it was in St. Louis. The fields were amazing. Really excited mm -hmm. about that. You know, Sion uh, came in and just cleaned house with everybody, right. you know, as, as they were impressive, very impressive. Nav came in and won. Corey Jones won, I think, like every other rugby tournament he had been in the summer playing in that. Uh, really awesome. And it was just a great vibe at that venue in St. Louis. Um, but now going to Madison Sports Complex, we're at a real rugby facility. We have power. We have elevation. We have a rugby community around in a clubhouse with a bar. You can sell. There's an area. There's going to be like 
literally going on. There's going to be a uh, cornhole. You know, there's there's a, a pavilion area. It is like an awesome venue to just host a rugby tournament. Right. And we did the uh, the girls' high school national championships there. And just the shots and the environment and just that environment was awesome. So really looking forward, you know, to, uh, you know, that event going up there. And, and truth right. be told, I think Brad Dufek is probably one of the best, like, you know, tournament organizers out there. A lot of experience with NCR running all their events, you know, mm-hmm. uh, commissioner for every league. So his his house now, he's hosting it, um, you know, going to have bars, right? So that way bring the fans, bring people out there. You got food. And, and on that note, tickets are only, I believe, five bucks. And obviously, you know, it's going Solid. to be rugby. So uh, less than a beer, right? I mean, I paid 11 bucks for a beer at SeatGeek. So uh... <laughs> and this is Wisconsin, right? Like these right. are like, like Wisconsin is like, I, I'll just... Yeah. And, and I was to say, Madison, I, you know, I'm just a stone's throw. We get up in the southern Wisconsin area all the time. Madison is a great city to go out. It's small. There's a lot of micro brews. It's a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, if you're in the Midwest, you want to check it out. Madison put will be a phenomenal place right. to hang out for, hang out over the weekend. Right. And Midwest, I want to if you're in the country, know. anywhere in the country, come out, yeah. right? You fly into yeah. Milwaukee, fly into O'Hare. It's not that far. It'll be a great no. event. So for those who do want to learn more about it, go and check it out online, USA Sevens Rugby, all one word, the number seven, not the word sevens. Uh, so that's us7srugby.club. You'll see the itinerary. You'll see the teams competing. You'll see the start and end times. going to be a phenomenal weekend, August 12th and 13th in Madison, Wisconsin. But I believe you have something else to be able to share, right, Ryan? Yes. Uh, so one of the other things that's uh, teams that have qualified real quick, I'll just run down that uh, women's Scion defending champions. They're in it. No surprise. Whack Washington athletic club coming in from uh, the West coast. They're awesome. Then HEP hurricanes, a new team uh, coming out of, uh, out of Texas. I would assume, I believe you was Texas. I tried like looking on Facebook, HEB that's Texas for sure. Um, but uh, they've looked like they've been pretty impressive down South uh, men, Tennessee elite, uh, Dallas Rugby Club, Austin Huns, uh, they're all qualified. They've all punched their ticket, uh, and they're all ready to go. Um, but that's not the only thing that people will recognize from club rugby, of course, being represented. Uh, Rob, we turn it back to you. What else do you have to share with uh, folks tuning in? Well, we've been we've been off the board for two weeks, just uh, kind of keeping busy with our personal lives and, and ramping up, getting ready for the final. Um, so we haven't touched upon this yet. There uh, with the final going on a couple of key retirement announcements were made and and we may see more at some point later on the season, but two were definitely made. One is Will Hooley, obviously name carries a lot of cachets from the UK played with Northampton, Exeter, uh, Bedford Saracens. um, And then he repped England for the, uh, in 2013 for the IR when it was IRB world championships, but he was a U.S. Eagle. Uh, number 517, capped against Canada. It's his first cap, 18 total caps and 28 points. And, of course, he played for the San Diego Legion. Um, you know, they they were the runner-ups this year. Uh, they certainly had the best record in the league, but it came up just one point short. We'll get into that. So that's an important one. I just – I had a chance to speak with him, and I think uh, we got that on Next Level Rugby, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we chatted with him. Did uh, – I'm pretty sure that was correct. Right, Kenty? Did we get yes. Hooley? Yes, we did get Will Hooley in. If you go to the uh, one of the last segments, um, he was in it. Uh, you know, that was awesome just to be able to do it. And I think, you know, just what I took from that interview is just afterwards, just how, like, thankful he was just of, of the coverage 
you know, that rugby ran that next level rugby's doing, you know, took mm-hmm. the time to say, Hey, we really appreciate that. So like, you know, you're out there, you're doing it and just gracious. You know, I was standing down on the field as he, as he came off the field and walked right past, you know, yeah. into his bench, man. And it was like, you know, to sit there and it was emotional. In that moment. Yeah. It's it emotional. I mean, I was really emotional. Like, I'm just like, you know, he's kind of a little bit banged up. He's stepping up, leaving, right. you know, not on his own terms, but, but thank you, Will Huey. Yeah. And then the other guys, Ryan uh, Mattias, um, once again, he was in that final as well. I don't know that he was as forthright announcing his retirement, but I had a chance to talk with him after the match. Uh, before we get into that, uh, Arizona Wildcats, University of Arizona, uh, played for them. Old Blue, San Diego Breakers back with, uh, you know, the the first iteration of professional pro rugby. rugby. Yeah, pro rugby. Uh, of course, San Diego Legion, USA Sevens. Uh, IRB World Sevens 2013-2014, so he was in like seven competitions. And then he was uh, brought over to USA 15s where he was Eagle number 486. Again, he was also capped with Canada, 13 caps, 30 points, and just a great guy. Um, I love Ryan because I was chirping at him. not I was chirping with him uh, when they were <laughs> playing the Hounds, and I was just kind of saying, hey, Mattis, we're going to see you out there soon. He's like, no, 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 not until the last little bit. And then somebody had an HIA, and you go out, he had to go out there, and he's kind of pointing at me going, you jinxed me, bro, you jinxed me. And so <laughs> I said, yeah, we wanted to see a play. So um, great guy, and I caught up with him after the game. But uh, I'm, I'm happy for the sport of rugby. I'm happy for Major League Rugby. Uh, it was an absolute spectacle here. Neutral ground, stadium record. I mean, you got Shaq playing. Uh, it's a win for rugby. And we take a look at where Major League started. Major League Rugby started in 2018. And look at where it's at now. Uh, we're growing. We're, we're taking over America one city at a time and one game at a time. And this is nothing short of an of a, of a absolute spectacle of a and Major League Rugby should be very happy. Everyone involved, the, obviously the winning team. Congratulations, Free Jacks. Um, what a championship class side. Um, you know, our boys should be proud of the effort that they put forward. And all the other teams that didn't even get to this point, we're changing the American landscape of sports. And um, we're doing it one year at a time. And every year it's gotten bigger and better and bigger and better. And I know that the people that are working in Major League Rugby and all the back office staff and every single team, they're the ones to thank for this all spectacle and it's just going to con- continue on an upward trajectory and i'm excited to watch it grow thank you game and, and again uh to reiterate what getty said about Huli, just super gracious um right. just i think really thankful uh for the rugby community in the united states and uh he's a guy that left the jersey in a better place uh than mm-hmm. when he received it so thank right. you Ryan. And that's Maddie. kind of the, the great philosophy of of rugby right is you always want to try and do that and and both of them great ambassadors for the sport and did a lot to be able to take it one step farther here in the u.s uh i'm going to take a into back further into usa rugby and uh talk about education and training you know one of the things that we spoke about and you guys know this and, and fans who didn't have the opportunity to be able to see the pre-show that we're all a part of on on trn we had Scott Lawrence and he's hailed as one of the great rugby minds and coaches, GM, you know, he's kind of a been there, done it all in rugby. And even he would admit that he wishes that he wasn't one of the few, you know, and that's because we need to be able to see more American rugby coaches gaining their craft, exploring their talents and connecting the communities closer to home, so to speak. USA rugby is promising, continuing that promise to be able to give coaches aspiring coaches 
that opportunity through their training and education program. A level three training program is going to be extended through its success in 2022 into 2023 and into 2024. This August, you have the opportunity to be able to start your level three training There is some criteria. There is some qualifications that are, of course, needed. You need to have some experience. You need to be able to show that. There's an application process that you can go and check out online and learn more about this by emailing training at usa.rugby or visit USA Rugby itself to be able to see more of the details. The application process, should you wish to be a part of it, does end July 28th, so you'd have to act fairly quickly. Now, I will tell you, these type of experiences are long. They're not quick. It's one of the higher qualifications you can get. So it runs all the way from August until March next year. It will have a minimum of seven sessions, including a weekend away in Charlotte, where you will be given on this, on uh, in-person training and guidance. That experience is going to cost you, though, a pretty penny. It's going to be $750. And you will have to pay for your flight to Charlotte. However, however, once you get yourself there, USA Rugby is covering the bill for your food, accommodation, and transfers. So I think that's a pretty fair deal, considering. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, absolutely. Take advantage of that, coaches. Take advantage of that. What's a plane ticket? Self development, professional development. You know, you got you got to spend money to make money. You're not really going to make money as a rugby coach. You got to spend money (laughs) to 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 be happy and to be able to do this. So, like, uh, hey, I mean, kudos to USA Rugby for going out, putting out the money, and doing that because that is the biggest weak point of this game is that you get a a lot of talent. You know, that goes on to the senior level. And like Sam Harris told me that this year, like one of his players is like, I'm teaching him things that I knew when I was ten. You know what I mean? And it's no knock on rugby coaches, right? Like the people right. that are out there that are volunteering, that are taking their time. But to have that development, that skill set, that knowledge collectively as Americans, we haven't had that sport here long enough and visible enough to really understand the game. So right. it's, everybody talks about improving the rugby IQ. This is just another yeah. area that we have to do it. Exactly. So, Ryan, we swing it to you as a last and final piece for the round the pitch. What else do you have to share with us? Hey, uh, go USA, huh? Like, let's go USA. Uh, <laughs> U20s, um, you know, they are back on tour. They have left. They're in Africa right now going to Kenya. Uh, they'll be playing in the uh, World Rugby Trophy Tournament. Um, a little bit different from what's going on right now that you're seeing live on YouTube and for free. So you should be watching it. But the U20 Tournament, World Tournament's going on. Um, what this is, is this is basically a qualification tournament for the, it's not labeled tier two, but for lack of a better term, we'll call it the tier two countries right now um, that aren't in the world U20 uh, Carrington Cup. Ty, I think yeah. we were talking about that. Yeah, well, that was, was the end of 18. Cup. Yeah. Then, yeah. And so uh, under 18s. Okay. So it's hard to yeah, keep I up got it wrong. I gave you bad info up front. <laughs> I mean, not, neither one of us does. So it's whatever. But anyways, we know the U20 World tra- uh, Tournament's going on right now. The trophy tournament is taking place in Kenya. Uh, this right now, it's going to be 16 matches all taking place at Nayoyo Stadium in Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, this is a great opportunity for the Kenyan, um, you know, government to show their sport. You know, they Kenya is a rugby mad country. A very right? we passionate see them in the rugby nation. Exactly. Very passionate. I think this is going to be an awesome opportunity. Uh, teams that are competing in Pool A, which the U.S. is in, uh, we're going to have to compete against Scotland, Zimbabwe, and Uruguay. That is not an easy yeah. pool. Scotland, not, no. like in, in like Scotland, everyone looks at this as, oh, man, Scotland's going to be really good. This Uruguay team, are you kidding me? Like that is a country that is 100% put all of their focus into rugby. That is right. 
going to be their national sport if it isn't already. Um, so that's going to be tough. And then you got Pool B, Kenya, Spain, Samoa, and Hong Kong. Um, you know, it's going to kick off July 15th. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be on World Rugby's YouTube. Uh, don't quote me if I'm wrong, but I do think you are going to be able to watch this. Um, and it's going to be awesome. And I will say that we produced and I directed the U20s matches when they played Canada in uh, North Carolina. And they put a whooping on Canada. They really did. But but I asked around the people who know, and I said, you know, is the U.S. team really that good or is Canada just not good? And they just said Canada's not a good team. But that being said, we have some really impressive talent coming up through the ranks in the U.S. Um, did all the high school national championships on the women's side, you know, do all the college rugby. Like, I'm seeing better rugby played at this, like, under 18s, under 20s level right. than I'm being seen played in college rugby because right now. Because signed for a 2031 World Cup campaign, right? These are the kids that will be playing in it, right? Yeah. So make sure you're tuning in. Check that out in this U20 team. And uh, there are definitely some future stars of American rugby yeah. on this team. And let's not forget, we've won a, we've won a U20s trophy before. Yep. And who was under, the coach? Under. Scott Lawrence. Scott Lawrence, right? And the fact that he's putting an emphasis on the U20s and U18s, I love that. Because he gets it. He sees a long-term objective there. Right. That's right. why he's the guy to be in the position he's in, by the way. And there you have it, rugby fans. All the news you need to learn about, need to know about, and should learn more about over time as we'll continue to be able to cover it week after week as we do so here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, helping rugby grow one fan at a time. And we're going to be back in a moment to continue the debate with these two gentlemen firing away at three important topics related to the rugby final for MLR taking place last week between the San Diego Legion and of course the New England Free Jacks. We'll be talking about the rugby product, the fan experience and the broadcast value. Stick around. We'll be back. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, as it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your micro crew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. All right, and we're back. Thank you for continuing to spend your time here with us on the Rugby Rand Podcast Show. And as promised, we're going to be diving into the important details, revealing what we feel and think 
with everything MLR Championship Final related. So we're going to branch off into three different areas here, talking about first up the fan experience inside and outside and during the event as well. And of course, post-match celebrations, everything in between. It's all open table here as we dive into it for a moment. And then we're going to talk about the rugby product itself. And then finally, the broadcast value uh, for fans at home. Uh, and I suppose it could also say that there's some some value there in the fan experience too for those in stadium. You know, a good place to be able to start is with you, Rob. Uh, you know, all three of us were there at the stadium. Um, I'm sure it goes without saying, but I want to remind fans that it was a battle to the end. 25 to 24 was the final scoreline against uh, Legion competing against the Free Jacks. Of course, Free Jacks coming up the winners on this occasion. We're going to talk more about that in detail, but the fan experience, I want to hear your opinion, Rob. Wow. Uh, so my perspective is that the fans who were there, I don't know anybody. I didn't talk to anybody that didn't have a wonderful time. And it was from almost like point to point from start to finish they had a great time. It started early with a tailgate. I, you know, we arrived there, you and I, about 10 o'clock and O'Ginty was there about uh, nine o'clock and already fans had congregated the free Jack fans. I mean, they were, they were probably outnumbered San Diego. And it makes sense a little closer uh, to, to Boston uh, and to Fort and to Quincy, but um, you know, they had a couple of tents, both San Diego fans and free Jack fans, I believe were giving away some swag, some, some t-shirts, enjoying and reveling in the excitement outside. I did not get into the block party. um, So uh, I don't know if you guys heard anything about that. I'm sure you'll touch on it, but then, you know, the warm-up acts, DJ, shout out to DJ Beamish, uh, one of the, one of the members of the Hounds family. And then of course, Shaq Diesel uh, jumping in there and finishing with the dropkick Murphy's. I mean, the fact that there were fans on the pitch with New York, uh, sorry, New England Free Jack players who had just won a championship was awesome. Like I saw the guys out there, they hadn't changed out of their jerseys. There were guys, you know, they'd taken off their cleats and pitched them and chucked them inside the the uh, um, the locker room and then walked back out in their bare feet just to enjoy being out and being in a festival atmosphere. And that was awesome. Um you know, the one complaint that I'm seeing, and I get it, is the merch sales that there were no championship gear for sale. But I imagine they're probably leaving that up to the the winners, the New England Free Jacks, to produce something that reflects what they want to, you know, uh, produce in a, in a championship uh, gear and let them sell it online and, and make the money from that. So if you're listening, fans, um, you know, wait, I, be patient. I think the Giltinis put out stuff two years ago. Um, New York put out some stuff last year, but I think the Free Jacks will do it right. Right. So be be ready with it. Uh, you know, we're going to stay on the same topic here. And, and you know, for me, actually, I think I want to give a shout out to to Bruce Durr and, and Tighthead Brewing. San you know, Diego Legion about- standing ready behind me. You can hear them. They're loud. They're proud. And they're here to be able to compete in the boat race of the season. Well, here we have it, folks. It is head-to-head as the first races are off. We're on to number two. Oh, 
we have a second shot of it here, and it's head-to-head in the final round. We have on the left with Sadia, and the Free Jacks take the opportunity, and with that, the win to the Jacks Rangers. Oh, wow, look at that. And, and tight head brewing, you know, talking about the tailgate experience. First off, the Free Jacks were out in their droves. They had an amazing tailgate experience, set up all the tents. Uh, it certainly was a great feature of the tailgate. Um, but it, certainly the highlight was the uh, the boat race between the San Diego Legion and, of course, the Free Jacks fans where Bruce Durr, um, owner and, of course, uh, uh, um, you know, a great rugby patron as well, uh, was the, uh, the master of ceremony, so to speak, and started off the race. Uh, and that was good fun, you know, and hopefully folks be able to get to see that. But that was just a small piece of the camaraderie and the spirit that personified the great rugby atmosphere that came to be able to be outside the stadium and also traveled and transferred that same energy to inside the stadium in my experience uh, uh, in my personal experience there but one of the the questions that has consistently popped up online through the mlr fan zone group and i and i'm going to point this in your direction ryan is that a lot of people said that well a neutral venue was not great for for fans because they were forced to be able to travel. Um, they, they were in an area that was unfamiliar to them. Um, although I think many people would agree that the stadium was fantastic. The facilities were good. The, the pitch was in good condition. They just sometimes didn't felt that it left large parts of the home audiences, those fans that ordinarily would have enjoyed a game closer to home, out of this opportunity. What do you say to them? Well, I mean, first off, I want to I want to take a shot at the guy that Rob was talking about and some, sure. <laughs> some yokel that thinks that they're going to wait. How much money on T-shirts and printing up T-shirts for champions on the off chance that somebody's going to be able to win? And then what are they going to do with those T-shirts? Throw them out. They make them for the teams for them to go around. That's not going to be readily available. And then also readily available. Do you understand sports operations? As soon as the game is done, everybody's gone. Like, that costs money for that stuff like that. I mean, I think that's an unrealistic expectation for a fan to have that you're going to buy a, a, a Free Jacks championship T-shirt as soon as they win a championship. Come on, man. If that's your complaint, get out of here. I don't have time for that. But let me get back to this one where you're talking about the neutral venue. Uh, there is empirical evidence. And that empirical evidence is 10,100 in a neutral site. How many people were in New York last year? Not even 3,000 at Red Bulls. Yeah. So get out of here with this neutral thing. I, for one, have been like a, a huge you know, proponent for the neutral venue, right? Like I think that you have to, cause you can plan for it. You can build an event around it. This block party. I live in Chicago. Me and my, we just saw on a bus today, Dogtown block party, party animals wanted going by on a bus today. You know what I mean? Like you can market it to a city. You can get it going out there. As soon as we were done wrapping up the show in the first half, I went down, I found Josh Macy. We were sitting in the corner, just sitting there talking just like about everything except for rugby. And there was a woman that was sitting there drinking. She goes, excuse me, I don't know anything about rugby. Can you tell me about this? And I said, lady, you asked the right person. She was talking to Macy. I was like, you asked the right person to explain this and break this down to you. And he did in a very, in a very good way. And he goes, well, how did you get here? She goes, I just saw the advertising for it. It said it was a good time. So I wanted to come, right? That's a new fan. That's a new right, fan right. that gets to experience that, that comes to this event that is just like, you know, put on, like, first off, I want to say, Hats off to Justin Browski, James English, and yeah. you know, Caitlin and everybody else. And, and the ownership the group. The ownership group that spent the money to make this yeah. happen, right? That spent right. the money. You see. And, and it was not cheap, let's be honest. Right? <laughs> oh, no, no, like that, that guy right over there. And, and for those Diesel? who don't know, Shaquille O'Neal's reported figure 
per an hour is starting at 150,000 and up to 230,000. Now, I don't know what it was. I don't pre- pretend to presume, but I think most people could say the quality of entertainment that was there, they did not skimp at all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so just back to wrap it all up, right? Like I think the neutral venue, I think is it gives you time to prepare. It gives you time to put in a good product. Uh, the product was awesome. Like the product mm-hmm. was awesome, right? Like we got to do our stuff, you know, you out in the parking lot, the boat races, you know, just meeting up with everybody. Like that was, that was a great environment, great atmosphere. And then just getting to take it in. Like you said, Rob, like there was not one person that was there that was not excited for rugby and didn't say right. the same thing. Like this was a great moment for rugby. Like the MLR yep. championship should be the pinnacle event of our American rugby calendar. It should be right. a celebration of the year that was in rugby. And I think, this was a great start. I think it's it's only it's going to go up from here because the standard has been set. I've been to the last. Mm-hmm. I've been to four MLR finals. You know, I, I've been to four of them. You know, post COVID, LA, LA was cool, but it was cavernous, right? There was like some people there, but they were all there to see Steve Aoki mostly. You know what I mean? LA was an awesome <laughs> oh, team good. last year. Red Bull, right? Like you had the issues with Red Bull to where it was like, you know under 3000 people there no knock on new york for whatever but i mean it's just like you talk about these neutral sites and right you know, and the they NFL does those it. venues with like a couple of weeks notice exactly and that's the big that's a big that's that's a great point ty i mean that's that's such a solid point like scheduling out venues and having proper stuff and being able to do that it's not easy and you can't do it last minute right, right. especially when you have to be on fox when you have a time slot right. on fox in a good time slot this year like let's be honest last year's time slot sucked like mm-hmm. noon Eastern time at 9 a.m. Seattle fans have to wake up and, and their game's already starting at 9 a.m. That sucks. You know, right. 3 p.m. Now that's noon in Seattle. Yeah. That works. Right. So like, mm-hmm. you know, all these factors come together. And so when you're thinking about it from a fan perspective, you have to realize that it's not the fan. I do believe is like one of the most important things, if not the most important thing you have to think about. But the fan also has to realize that when you run an organization, when you run a team, when you run the mechanics of an operation like this are so involved and there's so many moving right. pieces to where you just can't get what you want all the time. So, gentlemen, often we have to be able to try and quantify these things because that's what fans want to be able to hear. So if you had to score it on a 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, Rob, I ask you first for fan experience. Fan experience. I would say, uh, I would say a 9, maybe an eight, eight, 8 to a 9. And the only reason I would say that is, and, and I'm not sure that James and his, and his crew didn't think about this, but it would have been, and again, it comes back to the logistics that that Ginty talked about. You know, if they would have just said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna sell one side that the camera faces first, and maybe that that uh, uh, in you know end zone beyond the end goal area, I think it's in the right. southeast side or north, maybe it's northeast side. But anyway, sell those out, and if those get sold out, then we'll open right. up the other side and allow people to return their tickets and buy something. And I want you to hold on to, to to the rest of that yeah. thought because that's going to be a really good one to dive into when we talk yeah. about the broadcast because that was something that many fans have brought up, and we'll dive into that in a moment. But before then, I'm going to ask you, Ryan, to give us a score. I mean, I, I'd give it a solid – I mean, like, honestly, I'd give it a 12 and a half just because, like – Go free jacks. Uh, I, can only like, go- I mean, it's like go free jacks. Like I'm still riding this high, man. Like I mean, like to be like that's that's the team that like I built my business on. I did all their games mm-hmm. pre-COVID. Like you know, like I, I love that group. Like it was an awesome experience. And I mean, again, yeah. it was just being able to step out and and be amongst the crowd and the people and that it, all of it. Like it was just great, man. And like you, know, the free jacks are on stage. 
Dropkick Murphys are playing, shipping up to Boston. They're all up there. They're going nuts. Right. Like, and, and I want to know, good? there was a large crowd that stuck yeah. around. As you pointed out, in most big games, people are out the door as soon as the game's right. done, right? But instead, you invited everybody out onto the field. You hit those, the, this before with the players out there enjoying it themselves. And there was thousands of people to be able to enjoy Dropkick Murphys' uh, uh, performance right after it, right? So what the a cohort where they're having a good time, man. The cohort exactly. were out there going nuts. Like, I mean, a lot of San Diego, a lot of, lot of, lot of fun. I mean, I, and again, I think this kind of like harkens back, and it, and it makes me excited about like rugby and what could be on the American landscape because the rugby fan is a different fan than what we're used to in in, in conflict mm-hmm. and like fighting and like all that. Like, you know, that's not what rugby is. You know, you go to a World Rugby Cup and there are no fights. There aren't yeah. people like uh, upset you got to a soccer game stuff. and they have to separate fans. Instead, in right. rugby, we bring them together. Exactly. And I mean, I think that that's one of the things that's great about this sport and that I hope that we never lose and that we keep we keep good right. with it. And I mean, so that's why I think, you know, coming out of that, like I got to give it a 12.5. So so I'm realistically because there's always room for improvement. <laughs> so let me throw it back at you. We're going to turn our attention to the next topic here to talk about the on field product, the rugby itself. Obviously, it was an exciting affair right to the bitter end. I think it was about two minutes to be able to go. We had a little bit of drama, um, but ultimately it ended up being a one-point difference in favor of the Free Jacks. I personally went in thinking it was going to be the Free Jacks, but about you know 20 minutes out, it still was anybody's game. Yeah. And as Rob, as you quite rightly pointed out, uh, you know, 65 minutes can pass and San Diego may look as if they're on the back foot, and then 15 minutes of magic comes your way. And this exchange was back and forth. The, the, the lead had changed several times. Yes, we got stuck with a little bit of kicking game in between, but ultimately the final product, I believe most fans would recognize, was some of the best rugby we had seen all season long. With that analysis being said, I hand it to you first, Ginty, to be able to take us into this one. Yeah, I think you had the two best teams in, in the league, hands down, all year playing each other. I think this is like a, a dream matchup. It's what you wanted. You know, New England, San Diego, San Diego, the bridesmaid, always the bridesmaid. We know that now, you know, just can't get it done. But like, you know, I I thought it was great. I thought that plays were made. You know, there were no like handling errors don't really stick out to me. Right. Like good counterattacking play. Too new to me. Huh? Two of them do to me. Well, I mean, like in the grand scheme of the games, right? Like, yeah, two of them obviously a big one, and, and especially against somebody that that's not used yeah. to making those mistakes, right? Like, mm-hmm. but but I mean, that's the beauty of sport, right? And I think McCarthy called it best, and the look on Max's face when he said it to him, he goes, "You know, it's the it's the team of superstars versus the team of no names," and it's it's true, man. Like these right. free jacks, like right, like but they played together, they had fun, Rob at, at the. You, you, it was a military mindset. It was it was clinical work for San Diego. New England was there having fun. And when you're on that level and you're just playing for each other, you're having fun. Like those are the teams you cannot beat. Teams that are that are out there that are cohesive that are just going. That that the, the moment that really stuck out to me, and it wasn't a try, but as that Vian Conradi run down the sideline mm-hmm. right. he just trucked people went over. Like I mean, right. he like, just kept going. Right. I mean, he fell shy about two or three meters, but what a run. And at that, I thought it was great. And, I mean, I'm like, uh, I hate to toot my own horn, but I've been saying that the best 12 in the league is not for San Diego. It's Milan, uh, LaRue Milan. Like, I've been saying that all season. Like, that guy is the best 12 in the league. And then what's he do? He ends up getting that great slide. The best 12 in the league shoots up too much. He gets to the outside of him. 12 on 12 action, right? Like, I mean, the best two players on the pitch, arguably right there going at it. And it's just, you know, New England comes out, they win. 
you know, that was just such a great moment. I was literally standing like on behind the video board and I was watching Eric Anderson just start. Let's go free Jack's like the biggest fan out there. It was actually kind of funny because like where I was standing, I was like kind of kitty corner, like right by the lane to the bench. He was up in the walkout tunnel and security stopped him and Max from coming down. I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, I, I shouldn't even be here. And yeah. you're like, you're not letting the owner. And then they eventually got let through and they let them go through. But to just see them and the excitement and like all the hard work and TK and wheels too. And all those guys that, that new England's done and no, no disrespect to San Diego. They've done a lot of awesome work too, but like, you know, I've seen this firsthand. I'll be up in new England again here in like two weeks working at Fort Quincy. And to be able to call that, you know, the, the home of the, the, the champion free jacks like Fort Quincy, like that's awesome, man. And I just think it's a right. it's a good win for rugby fans. It's a good win for rugby. And you know, Absolutely. I think the product, you know, and I mean, and there was some I was overhearing some conversations up in uh, the Heineken Lounge. I probably shouldn't have, but uh this game went out internationally on some big European channels, and they're saying that the product and the quality and the feedback they were getting was excellent. And that was prime time over there too. That's some stuff. Right. I, I mean, it's it's one of the greatest advertisements that we have to be able to showcase rugby. Um, U.S. domestic rugby on the world stage, right? It should be the best product of the all of the whole season. Um, Rob, I, I know that you know we were talking about predictions, and you were leaning originally towards San Diego. Yeah. No one would would fault you for that because a one point difference could have been anybody's game. But what yep. do you really think now that you've had time to digest it? Well, and, and I'll address the the point difference here in a moment but let me just throw some other statistics at you sure six tries which isn't i I think is a perfect amount right because there's enough defense but there's enough offense to whet your appetite and give you what the action you're looking for seven minutes as well right the first try uh, hey don't steal my thunder man oh sorry (laughs) but but ryan talked about you know people there's a little bit of kicking in there and and i don't ryan wasn't critical of it some people were, and I'm going, yeah, but that's part of rugby, right? The tactics, right. the volleying back and forth, the testing of the opposition. They had that, but they also had the action too. I mean, Nate the Great had a great try, two great tries, but one of them in the corner just touching it down, and he's, you know, he's vertical like Superman. I mean, it was awesome. Fifteen, Only 15 penalties. Frequently during the season, we see one team commit 15 penalties. There was right. a total of 15 here. Um, Cam Stone, I thought, played a great game, you know, as juxtaposed in the Women's World Cup when, um, in, or yeah, final, when uh, England was beaten and there was that red card that kind of almost was seen as the difference maker in that in that final. We didn't have that, right? There were no yellows, no reds, um, which was great. Seven lead changes. You mentioned several. There were seven back and forth. And at 76 minutes, in New England takes the lead, making it you know that exciting. You know, right? I picked I picked uh, uh, San Diego by five. They were four points ahead up till that point. I mean, mm-hmm. this was a back and forth affair, and sometimes in tight games with two great teams, again, fifteen and one, fourteen and two. It's the littlest differences, those marginal gains that are made by one team either mental or physical that make the difference and i'm watching san diego and they are both teams are just pulling bodies off the turf right in the last 10 minutes it was exactly what we wanted in a final 
right? And it's the closest one yet too, which is a a credit to where the league is. And in addition to that, we have a a first time entry to a final with the Free Jacks and now a new title being offered to a franchise that has never seen it before. So this is great for rugby. Can I just throw one more statistic in you? Ball and play, Mm -hmm. almost 41 minutes. That is well above the average though. Right. 32 to 34 is about what we typically see. I mean, how do you not like when the ball is in play more than 50% of the game? Right. And that, by the way, is higher than international leagues. You know, this is coming back around to what what Ginty had said a moment ago. How does it compare to the product overseas? Uh, Super rugby traditionally is about 35 minutes. Um, uh, URC is about 37 minutes. So you're actually talking about a lot. No, we're talking about a difference of minutes. But in terms of viewing experience, that's actually quite a lot. Yeah. Ryan, you want me to jump in? Well, I mean, I just like, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here or uh, Ty cut me off if I am, but uh, did you guys see like the reception that they got when they landed at the airport? Did you see the police motorcade that they had, that the Free Jacks had? (laughs) Yeah, Quincy. I mean, that was the one thing that we really touched on in the show and like really from Mags and then from Josh Larson. It's just the community of of Quincy, like they met them at the airport, like the the police escort. Can you imagine what that feels like to be getting there? Like, we talk about feeling like a professional athlete, and sometimes in MLR, it may be hard to feel like a professional athlete, especially on the American landscape or even on any international rugby landscape. Like, let's just be honest here, right? Like, but to have that now, and and this, these are the things that that make it hopeful that hey, we're getting there, right? Like, yeah. my buddies in a group text message chat that never talk about rugby or anything are talking about rugby now. You know, and they're right. like, oh, hey, did you see this? And they're like. Hey, did you see Nate Ebner was there? And I was like, right. Hey, did you see right here that like, uh, where am I? I'm, I'm doing this back. right there. That Ty right there got an interview with Nate Ebner. Yeah. Like, you know, like that, like, so that, that is what makes it hopeful. You know, like the free Jacks, you know, their, their city's welcoming them. They're, they're definitely going home to our heroes welcome. And like, they deserve it. And, and that's awesome. Made yeah. ES, it made ESPN top 10 plays too. What did? Um, yeah. One of the tries. Really? The winning try, the winning, the winning try. But winning try. I mean, I mean, come on, ESPN. You couldn't give us a little bit more, a little bit higher than that. It's probably because we're not on ESPN. It's probably because we're on Fox Sports. So they didn't give us a, a five seed or a four seed or something like that. But whatever, we'll take it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So let's take time to be able to dive into the final piece that we wanted to be able to uh, dissect here. Uh, and that's the TV broadcast. This one's actually been kind of a hot topic and for, for good reason and sometimes maybe bad reason, depending on where you lie on which side of the conversation you may fall. Um, but I wanted to be able to to highlight one particular uh, a comment that I saw online and let me take the opportunity to read it aloud and then I'll let you gentlemen. In fact, I might let uh, you take a crack at this one first, uh, Ginty. So uh, I won't mention as a courtesy who wrote this, but uh, moral of the story, these are the, this is the quote, a home final will look better on TV. Worth a try, no pun intended, but does MLR gain anything from the look on TV for this final? Uh, no, they did not. If we're going to use a neutral site final, we absolutely have to consider free tickets. There's just no other way to fill the stands. I mean, I think that's like I I, I think it's foolish to think that some tickets weren't given out to groups. Right. Like I like I mean, for him to just be like, I'll give out free tickets now. I I do think part of marketing is you do give out some free tickets. Do you give out 500 free tickets? Do you give out thousand free tickets? No. But like you do give out free tickets, right? So there are free tickets out there. Um, 
Well, I think we already, I think both me and Rob talked about this in separate points and kind of defunct this guy already, right? Like, mm-hmm. you look at the statistics, you look at the number, right? Like, right. maybe they record could- attendance, you know, yep. all these things just to reiterate it again so that, you know, folks are following along. Over 10,000 is the highest number for any final. Yeah, right. And so it's like, so you have that taken care of. So I, I just don't understand that. And then I mean, like, you know, I, I just, you, you can't really put everybody on one side just for optics and looking of it. Right. I think like the thing that made the event on site. So felt so good was just that it was like, you could kind of float around, you could yeah. go places, you weren't anchored somewhere. Right. Like you think about it, you go to a baseball game. What do you do? You like to go over here. You go over here. I see my friends over there. I see my friends there. Nobody that was there were sitting in their seats. You weren't sitting in, in seats you were supposed to be sitting in. It's, it's actually interesting wasn't. and fresh take though. I hadn't actually considered because we were talking about one component of the success being fan experience, and now we're talking about broadcast value. So you could say on one side, if you group fans together, it would look better. The optics would be better, right? It would look like a full, more full audience. But at the same time, it could diminish the fan experience, as you said. So, you know, it's kind of like a trade-off. So, you know, where do you f- strike the balance? I mean, over 10,000 is a success. People had ability to walk around, enjoy things. You know, I'm not trying to jump and, and step on your toes here. I'm just trying to be able to flush out exactly what, like why I think I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I mean, I think it's like, I think being able to move around the freedom of movement was good. Plus also like you don't see how many people are in the boxes. You don't see that, right? Like the right. concourse people in behind. All the suites I mean, were taken. When we walked oh, yeah. past those rooms, it looked like everybody was, everyone was filled. Which if we're talking about money and bringing in money, those are the things right. you want to sell. Those are right. the things, those are the barometers of success you look at in a stadium. If you've sold out all your right. suites, you sold out all your boxes, you're making good money and, you, and, and, and that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's a healthy thing. Right. But like, yeah, like I did, you can't get everything. I mean, as a, as a TV director, like, you know, do I want everybody on one side of the stadium? Yeah. But at the same time, you don't control that. I mean, you don't do that. Mm-hmm. And especially if the whole theme of the event is a block party where you move from the stadium to the fields. Right. to If this, you look at a sevens, yeah. HSBC sevens tournament, you're never right. in the same seat longer than an hour. Right. Same thing exactly. with Vegas sevens, right? That was the, the fun of Vegas sevens. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been to the Cape Town event a few times. I've been to Dubai one once. And the, the fun of it is that you get to be able to mingle, you meet people, you know, it's a festival atmosphere. And at a festival, you know, the whole point is you're supposed to move around and have fun and, you know, different different factors of entertainment. And, and I think that that's what rugby in America is trying to do, but they call it rugbytainment. You know, yeah. so it encompasses all of this. So perhaps the broadcast just needs to be able to capture a little bit of the fan, a little bit more of the fan experience, uh, in addition to 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 you know the fans just in the crowd. And I know so then, so then what do you get? So then you get some, then you get some idiot that's online saying, "Oh, why are they showing the fans on this game?" You can't everybody. I should be this. I should be that. We need a pregame show, right, Kenty? Yeah, yeah. That's why you need a pregame show. That's where you do a pregame show. That's where yeah. you do the pregame. Sh- that's where you you really get, show the fan experiences in that pregame show. So you're not yeah. taking away from the rugby product, but you're showing what's going on in and around mm-hmm. the stadium, yeah. and right. people are you know what the 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 day that people are enjoying. And I guess to, to to round this out, right? Like to 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 the point that this guy's making, right? Like, does it look better when there are fans in the stands? Absolutely, right. Absolutely. That, that that is no one's arguing that. Yeah, right. But do I think at this point where major league rugby is and where it is, somebody's gonna look at it and be like, oh no, nah, I'm not gonna watch it. Hell no, man. They're gonna look at the product and the feeling and be like, that was awesome. Right? It was a good stadium, good viewing angles, good production. Like, I mean, it's like right. 
Like, I'm sorry, like, a good fans that are kind of moving around and not being like that, dude, pick something else. You know what I mean? That guy's right. going to complain about something anyways. And, and, a, and a venue like that is set up with broadcast in mind. It's a Major League Soccer stadium. They've already thought about the broadcast angles. They've already thought about all of those things. So for the MLR to be able to use a venue like that, most of the challenges of creating a quality product, or at least having the platform to create a quality product, is already overcome. And that's an important point, too. And I think to, to to piggyback off of that, even more so why a neutral venue is is important, right? Like, could you imagine mm-hmm. a final in Mount Vernon, New York? No. Well, right. Yeah. Like I remember, like, I mean, if they didn't get Red Bull Stadium last year, where was that final going to be? You know, it wasn't even going to be at Mount Vernon, stadium. New York, right? Yeah. Like, it was going to be a high school stadium. So now you want to talk about the optics of it, right? So when right. we talk about all these pictures, you got to think about everything. So, I mean, that's where like, Good angles. And, I mean, you just look at Seattle. Like, Seattle's never going to look good for broadcast because it's not a stadium made yeah. for broadcast. You know what right. I mean? It's, just, it's not going to look good. So, people can complain about it, but there's nothing you can do. You know, you can't put lipstick. You know what I mean? Can't dress it up all the way. You know, <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Uh-huh. Rob, um, I know yeah. you you obviously would echo very much many of the same things we've already covered yeah. here, but did you feel like there was anything more to add? Well, it- I guess there was one comment that I read that that basically it intoned that a home venue filled would have been a better event, right? And I said, my response is, okay, so which stadiums are you going to fill? And let's say it's Starfire. Let's say it's, it's, uh, you know, cause they were one of the finalists. Let's say it's Snapdragon. They were one of the, you know, in there in the playoffs. So Houston was in the playoffs. Um, New York was in the playoffs. Which of those stadiums are a great venue to host the penultimate event of the league? There's one other one other that uh, there's one other. Well, one bearing other. in mind, 10,000 is the number you've got to be. Right. Right. Two, because right? all the others won't host 10,000. Right. Except for Houston, all the others are, are are shared event stadiums with the lines that everybody complains about, with a narrow pitch. Some of them have, you know, trailers for bathrooms and, and bring in, you know, porta potties. Some of them have trucks that bring in food. And all that stuff is fine when you're hosting on a weekly basis and you want a more intimate venue for, you know, each week. But when you're, when you're trying to recruit sponsors, corporate sponsors, Cokes and the Pepsis and yeah. all that other stuff, American airlines and fast and and Arctic and all those things, you really want to host them in a, in a situation like that where there are no corporate suites, you know, where there's, uh, the 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 executive food in those suites is is you know non-existent. I, I'm saying no. So the the other one that would have worked would have been Snapdragon. Yeah, which thirty five thousand stadium. Yeah, the complaint about being a ve- you know an empty venue would have still applied because let's face it, they had eleven thousand, the record for any MLR match. And if you watch that match, it was still looked pretty vacant. I mean. Our eyes, we saw it. We appreciated what they did, but it's still eleven thousand and a thirty-five thousand seat stadium, right. and they packed it. By the way, on one side, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. I just think anybody who 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 feels like they've got to pack the stadium is missing the big freaking picture, right? Right. 
And it's difficult. It's difficult to be able to strike that balance. Now that we've set the new standard of 10,000, and I know you and I, Rob, were talking about what the league was hoping for, and they achieved that. 10,000 was the number that they would like to have seen in attendance for that final, and they got it. And what is interesting to to, to note is that that's just about 50% capacity for SeatGeek, right? It's a 20,000-seater stadium. And, And to your point, though, if San Diego were the host, it would have looked even worse. And you can't choose any other venues. So you have to be able to think that for the optics, it's an unfortunate downside that maybe stadiums won't be full. But we can't go any smaller and we can't go any bigger. So this is the right fit. So we just keep coming back to Chicago every year and make me and Rob. Hey, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Yeah. All three of us. (laughs) I'm good with that. that. You know, that's what uh, my buddy Bryce Elliott, shout out to you, my man. Um, you know, he said is they they should award this like a three year contract for right. you know somebody to host this. That way, you know, hey, uh, next year, same place. Make your travel arrangements. Be ready to go. Well, there's um, plenty of people that that you know I was talking to out there uh, beforehand, San Diego fans that came from Wisconsin, right? Before there was a franchise for them to be able to call their own closer to home, they chose a team because they were a rugby fan somewhere else that they connected to. And that's who they followed, right? So, um, yeah, a neutral venue, easy to get to, all the great benefits. If, 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 and now I'm not saying it has to be Chicago, right? Maybe it's somewhere else that you want to expand to, whatever it is. You know, there's, there's good and bad about what we could debate, but that would be a different show. But I think right now it was the right choice at the right time, and it came off well. Yeah, and, and, and I think one of the cool things about that is, like, you know, talking with Tim Falcon, uh, Rob was nice enough to invite me out to dinner with him with the meeting of the minds. And, you know, I got to meet Tim and talk to him. But, you know, he was saying how, like, you know, he's realistic that NOLA could never host a final. Mm-hmm. He said, unless it was in the Superdome, because we could never host a final. We don't, you know, it's too mm-hmm. hot. Right. So it's right. like you've got owners thinking this way as well, too, which is important. You know what I mean? So obviously, if you have an owner that's saying that, that's thinking this way, you know, obviously they're owners for a reason and they're not just commenters or they're not idiots like us on a podcast, right? right? Because they know what they're doing. Right. They're owners of the team, but they're partners in the league too. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. Yeah. So, gentlemen, thank you very much again. There you have it. For all the rugby fans tuning in here on the Rugby Rant, we have three thoughts in mind. One, we focused on the rugby experience. Both of you scored it very, very high. Then, of course, we spoke about the product, and I'm sure the score was just as high, if not higher in some areas. And finally, the debate of the broadcast product itself. We saw it from different angles, excuse the pun, but we certainly do take it on board but where it is right now it was the right choice for the right event at the right time would they hope to be able to continue something similar next year we choose well if it was up to us we would choose yes for a neutral venue every year we understand the benefits and uh, you can tell us what you think as a fan what the benefits could be or perhaps the demerits behind choosing a neutral venue and you can follow us under the handle at rugby rant pod online through all of our social media platforms and you can continue to enjoy our content week after week on the rugby network in addition to all of our social media platforms and wherever you may choose to consume your podcasts this of course has been a phenomenal episode with rob the hammer hammerschmidt and ryan ginty of next level rugby as a final reminder my name is ty the south Braga, and we will see you at the next.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.